Hi, friends. Welcome to the Revenue Real Hotline, where twice a week we'll bring you conversations designed to help you make better decisions and find more joy while selling. I'm Amy Rahovchek, and I'll be your guide. Let's go. Tell me about this next phase for you. What? How are you thinking about bringing this level of coaching and training to our new sales managers who are ready and eager to let go of their own experiences, maybe even what worked for them, and lean into leveling up their skills? Tell us more about this. Yeah, I'm trying to solve a problem for them because I believe they have the best intentions. Many of them are top performers. They get promoted. So they're used to winning. They expect to win. Their bosses put them in the role of sales manager, frontline manager, first-time manager, whatever you'd like to call it, because they expect them to win. And then they start to realize, wow, I'm under this tremendous amount of pressure. Um, The skills that got me here are not necessarily the skills that are going to make me successful here to be a sales assassin versus like a sales leader. Maybe they're not all transferable. And I'm going to learn, I need to learn some new skills. But what I realized is that my company has no program, nothing specific. Maybe they have some generic HR bullshit management program that is using coaching models from 20 years ago and trying to nine box people and stuff like that. But it's nothing directly related to the specific duties and practices and skill set needed by someone that is leading performance, which is very different than the HR manager or the finance manager or the accounting manager, that they're not as, it's not as black and white. Uh, if they're winning or losing, they're not measured on, on performance as strictly as sales managers are. And so I said all that to say, they start to really wonder, did I make a bad move going into sales management? Because they're starting to maybe get frustrated or disenchanted because they had it so good as an individual contributor and they were number one, they were a top performer. And now they're in this role and they don't feel like a top performer anymore. They feel confused they don't know what to do next. And their company is not providing any kind of support to them as to how to get to the next level, largely yeah. because the company, it doesn't, the company doesn't know. know. Yeah. They don't know either. They don't. And so maybe at best they're promised to, to be mentored by their VP or CRO, whoever. But as we all know, they're busy doing other things and that mentorship falls to the wayside or their idea of mentorship is, Hey man, you just got to grind or Welcome to management. These kinds of like platitudes and tropes that we see all the time. And so what I'm trying to do is say, okay, listen, your company probably has the best intentions, but some of them don't even know what they don't know. So you need a coach. Everybody needs a coach. The best people find a coach though. And so you need to find a coach. You need to find somebody that has worked with sales leaders before, people that have transitioned and transformed to sales leadership from sales management. And you need to learn the best practices. There are cheat codes that you can apply that can fast track you. Now you're a smart person, obviously you're a top performer. You could probably learn all this stuff on your own, but do you want to take three, five, seven, 10 years to learn this the hard way? Or do you want to learn the best practices the same way we teach everything else? By the way, we don't put sellers out there and just say, learn the hard way. Nobody does that anymore. We take them through some kind of sales training and then we turn them over to a manager and we say, now you learn to manage these people and coach them and lead them the hard way. So it's just a very obvious gap to me. And so that's what I do is I help those sales managers. They say, hey, listen, I understand I can 10X my revenue. I understand I can fast track my career if I just knew what to do, but I need somebody to help me. I need someone to coach me and to tell me what's next. Wow, so many things. It's funny, I used to carry a lot of, I didn't have a lot of empathy 
for the play of the sales boss. And I think after spending a lot of time thinking about it, Sean, like I, I was raised by a sales leader. And so I, I was taught really how to sell with a tremendous amount of love. And that's always how my dad ran his floors. And so it just set the bar really high. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I just, I felt for my people, right? Those dead bodies that, and we're talking about burning through top performers and underperformers alike. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's, I have become a, remember the Grinch in the Grinch Doll Christmas when his heart grew at the end? And so it's there, like my heart has grown. But I was actually having a conversation with a new manager this week and also a new mom, interestingly enough. And it's crazy the, so, it's the lack of stuff that you get on, like how to do these things and all the modern research that is actually telling us very explicitly, like where productivity and performance truly come from. I'll give you a hint, happiness, autonomy, creativity, like big parts of it. But it's, I'm scared a little bit, Sean, I guess, because we're coming into this recession and you see the layoffs now and we know what's going to happen on the sales boss front and it's more activity. We need more results. so. I need you, new sales boss, to turn up the dial on micromanaging the daily activity. Yeah. Again, without one, well, nobody's asking themselves like, oh, well, how could this be better? But it's as someone with a green belt in process design and a deep understanding of the relationship between inputs and outputs and process, what extra things are we throwing into the mix to actually get 2x the results? Oh, nothing. Okay. So then we're just cool with burning these people into the ground. Yeah. Work harder, do more, sell more. And then we'll burn through Like we'll burn through them. And I know that the turnover rate at the sales boss level is what it is. It's not pretty. It's not pretty at the sales, at the IC level. And it's definitely not pretty at the SDR level. Yeah. And this is what's going to happen because this is what always happens in the face of our leaders being unwilling or unable to let go of their rightness. And I don't know, invest in their people. But I like, I want to convey hope here. And so the hope is I'm thankful that you're doing what you're doing. And I hope that anybody that's listening to this episode, like that is either a new manager or about to become a new manager, like hightails it over to salesleadersecrets.com because my goodness, Sean, I don't know. What do you say to that? Like about the hope? Like, how do you balance? I'm still trying to give people the benefit of the doubt. So I still believe that most people come to work and want to do a great job and want to be cool to people and want to work with a team. So that being said, I don't want to dump on the sales, for lack of a better, we'll use this term loosely, leaders, sales leadership, like senior sales leadership too much. I really think they don't know any better, most of them. So you're very fortunate that your dad got it. He figured it out on his own. And a lot of really smart people that are reflective and intentional. They do figure it out on their own, but some people don't and they get wrapped up in the sales management cycle. And even at the senior leadership position, they're just wrapped up in the activities and the numbers. It's not that stuff is wrong. Again, it's that we only look at that. So I teach my managers that I'm training into leaders. I say, you need to look at your business and your team through two perspectives. You need to look at it through the business perspective, of course, because we are here to make money and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. We're not probably building houses for the homeless here. We're not a nonprofit. We have to make money. So look at it through that lens, but then you also have to look at it through the people perspective and engagement and the fact that you're working with individuals here that have families and goals. And so how do we bring those two things together? So even in something as basic as the one-on-one, which frontline managers neglect over and over, the first step I teach in the one-on-one is evaluating where the person is before we get to the performance. It always starts with the person because if the person is messed up, 
the performance is going to be messed up. If the person is having trouble at home, going through something, someone's sick, the divorce, who knows what, right? That's going to affect their performance. So I got to start my one-on-one with the person. Then I can go to the performance and say, okay, here's where you're at right now. You're crushing it. Boom. Do you need any help? Can I support you? No, you're good. Great. High five, one-on-one over. But if I get to the the performance and we're just at quota, we're under quota, then I want to start looking at, okay, let's look at your pipeline. Let's look at the pipeline and see, is there stuff in there? Oh, there's nothing in there. Now we can look at your process and see, is there the activity there? It's not that those things are wrong, but they're not going to get you the results you want by themselves, in and of themselves. It's a balance. It's a balance of the two perspectives, the business and the person. So I think that message hasn't been out there enough. And um, yeah, I, I just, I don't think that it's malicious. I just think that they don't know any better, most of them. And I wouldn't know any better either had I not had the privilege of working with so many great sales leaders throughout my career that people like your dad that really got it. And I noticed, I'm like, okay, look, this gal over here, she does things differently. And oh, guess what? Her team is crushing it and they love her. They're totally engaged. The, I define engagement as when people see your team as the vehicle to get them where they go, where they want to go, and they're actively investing in it every day. That's what engagement is. Don't even take the time to define these buzzwords so we can't take any action or apply any strategies to these. Because if I would ask them, the average sales manager, what does it mean for your team to be engaged? They're just going to tell me they're happy. Like you have to go deeper than that. And <laughs> oh my gosh, I love and if it. You can't, if you can't go deeper than that, then you're not going to get deep results. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I've participated in the launch of four communities in the past, like two and a half years. It's what I was doing over COVID and living at the intersection of community and how community drives learning as well as revenue. Um, all things that something tells me you already know, but I mention it because I've lost count how many times. So there's two primary met, two primary metrics for community, especially at the beginning. It's growth, right? New members, and then it's engagement. And it you have to define engagement early on at the very beginning, or else you stand zero chance of mm-hmm. measuring it, let alone using it as a team of people to improve. And I like you were you said that, and I was just chuckling on the inside, like seriously, every single time it's like everybody in a room, okay, write it down. What is engagement? What's the problem statement? What's the opportunity? And then how we're going to define it. And I just I love it. I love it. Okay, so Sean, I got to ask you, and I'm sure everyone's dying to hear. What, but I'm going to change it up a little bit because something okay. also tells me that you can handle it. What's the most uncomfortable conversation that you're having right now? <laughs> oh, the most, like my wife aside, personal conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> unless you're talking about leaving your job and going off on your own and trying to get the buy-in for that, that counts. But other than that. I think the most uncomfortable conversation I'm having right now is with myself and and challenging myself to believe that there's people out there that that want to lead and that are interested in more than just managing. I talk to people like you and I'm encouraged and I think, yes, exactly. Yes, there's a need out there. There's a need. And I feel like I have some of the answers that can help people. And so I want to go deliver those solutions to them. But then other times you get on LinkedIn, you go to a company that's not so, they like to talk about culture, but they're not really into defining culture or investing in culture. It's just corporate They don't understand that culture is the, it's not some pretty words that you put on a website, right? Values are action verbs, but more importantly, it is the culmination of the worst behaviors tolerated. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's a set of beliefs put into action, made priorities and accepted as the norm. So it can be good. It can be bad. And anytime you get people together, you're going to have culture and it can happen 
two ways. It can happen on accident or it can happen on purpose. And so one of the things I teach sales leaders is sales leaders create a culture on purpose. They write out their own vision, mission, values. And you know what? I had a CEO of a company that I'll leave nameless, but I had a CEO tell me because I was teaching the frontline managers that I want you to develop a vision, mission, value statement for your team of eight. And the CEO and the CHRO, I don't even know if that's a thing or not, but I think that was her title. Yeah pulled me into a meeting and said, hey, we don't want them creating their own values for their teams. We have company values. And I said, Mr. CEO, your company values don't mean shit to a sales team that's remote, that's trying to feel like they're on a team with each other. Well, I know that you like to say things like whatever, listening. That's a perfect example of an HR value that they come up with, listening. It's not to say that's bad. It's not bad. But you're trying to make these values be everything to everyone. And I'm saying I specialize in working with sales teams. And I'm telling you a sales team, it's not that they're not concerned with listening, but a sales team needs to have values like that include things like tenaciousness or drive or creativity or innovation, or that's things that really speak to somebody. Yeah. Like we're in it together. Exactly. That speaks to somebody at the, at the performance level, someone that has to really look up at the scoreboard every day and see if they won or not. So to your point about the culture thing, I mean, it's a lot of corporate speak, right? But that's a tough conversation I'm having is because you have those interactions with people that don't get it. And you're like, why am I even like bothering to do this? I'll just go back and sell. I'll go back and be an enterprise rep and I can make it rain. Fortune. Yeah. Yeah. So crazy. (laughs) And then the other side of me is like, (laughs) but wait, I really love helping people get their teams to the next level. Man, when you can take the burden off their shoulders, when you put in front of them a blueprint, of how to go from sales manager to sales leader. And they have a plan now and they know that the plan's been proven by other sales leaders, then, you know, you can give that to somebody that's really rewarding for me. So I guess that would be my toughest combo right now. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm there. It's like you're speaking to my heart right now. Hear me clearly, friend. There are incredible human beings that are stepping into leadership right now with the intention to do things very differently. And they do tend to hang out together and support one another. And I can't wait to talk offline about some of the places and people that I'm going to intro you to. But I sincerely hope that you stay the course because it is so needed. It's so needed. It's so needed. And with that, Sean, how can people find you? You can connect with me on LinkedIn. I still will answer your messages and coach you via LinkedIn. I'll invite you to do a free call with me. No, no hard sell. I'm not trying to get you into anything. You're not pitch slapping uh, anybody? <laughs> no, I'm not pitch slapping. I wish I'd come up with that, man. That, so sometimes good, I hear right? these words. I'm like, damn it. Why didn't I come so up with good. that? I just steal them. I didn't come up with that one, but that's mine now. <laughs> but so you can connect with me on LinkedIn and please do, because I would love to, to be friends with you. But beyond that, if you want some free training, go to salesleadersecrets.com. And I offer some free training there where I introduce you to three sales leaders secrets that elite sales leaders know that mediocre sales managers don't. And if nothing else, that'll get you started on the right track. That's amazing. That's amazing. All right, Sean, thank you. Thank you for coming to hang out with us today. I appreciate you, friend. Hey, thanks for having me. I love this podcast. It's awesome. I'm a fan now for sure. All right, all have a beautiful day. All right, all. That wraps another installment of Revenue Real Hotline. Today's episode was produced by the fabulous Nian Fiedler. Naturally, I'd like to thank my guests for sharing their brilliance and stories with us. And thank you too, listener. I know you've got a ton of options and I appreciate you choosing us. 
For anyone who wants to support the show, do follow us wherever you listen and be sure to join us next time for more conversations designed to help you make better decisions and find more joy while selling. I'm Amy Rahovchik and that's a wrap. Thank you.